Blog Talk Radio. The 2018 recruiting class is now officially in the books. National Signing Day, actually the late National Signing Day, which was overshadowed by the early National Signing Day in December, is now a thing of the past. The Miami Hurricanes finished with the sixth best class in America if you go by the rivals' player rankings. They were surpassed by Georgia, which simply, and to some quite mysteriously, produced maybe the best signing class in the history of college football, a class that included American Heritage defensive back Tyson Campbell, who opted not to stay home and play for the Hurricanes. The Bulldogs had eight five-star recruits in their class. To give you an idea of how absolutely absurd that is, there's only 25 or 30 kids a year that get that five-star label. And Georgia convinced eight of them to come to Athens. That's drawn a lot of attention in college football circles, to say the least. Ohio State did what Ohio State always does and finished number two. USC surged to number three behind five five-star signees of their own, dominating the West Coast. Texas made a mad rally late into the number four spot. And Penn State finished narrowly in front of the Hurricanes at number five. But all that said, as we begin a new edition of Kane Sport Live this evening, if you are a Miami fan, I'm going to tell you why you should be thrilled to death by what happened in this recruiting cycle. Quarterback. Miami picked up Jaron Williams to compete with Nikosi Perry and Cade Weldon to be the future of the position. Williams is a really solid prospect who brings a lot of skills to the table, and some people think he's going to be a phenomenal college quarterback uh, once he's done going through these early stages of development. Running back. Miami picked up what it hopes is a franchise runner in Lorenzo Lingard and also a fullback that Mark Rick covets in Relius George. It'll give a lot more versatility to the Miami offense beginning most likely next season. Tight end. The Hurricanes got two guys that are probably the two best tight ends in the country in Will Mallory and Brevin Jordan. Mallory figures to be a pure tight end. Look for Jordan to take on an H-back kind of role, very similar to what Chris Herndon has done at Miami. Receiver. Miami signed four guys who have a chance to be elite or major standouts. Mark Pope has out-of-this-world potential. A lot of people think he's the best receiver in the country. Brian Hightower and DeKaris Wiggins are big receivers that are going to be important parts of the Miami offense. You just watch. And Marquise Ezzard, who signed Wednesday, is a big-time talent out of Georgia as well. You want to know what the best thing is that we could say about Ezzard right now? It's that he was not phased one bit by the presence of those other three receivers in the class. Miami didn't even start recruiting him seriously until Pope, Hightower, and Wiggins were already in the fold. That tells you that Marquez Ezzard is a kid that is not afraid to compete. He is a raw competitor. He's a physical receiver. And look for him to also come down to Coral Gables and factor very quickly into the Miami receiver equation. 
Defensive line. Miami hung on to Nesta Silvera, who coaches believe is the best defensive tackle in the state of Florida and one of the best in the nation. If you trust their evaluations, then you're looking at Silvera as a big-time pickup. And Miami had to hold on for its life late as the Florida Gators made a mad rally to try to steal Silvera. The Hurricanes in this cycle signed a young man by the name of Greg Rousseau, who I think is going to remind everybody a little bit of Calais Campbell. Uh, Very much in that mold, a very tall, lanky guy. And the one thing that is striking the coaches right now about Rousseau is how well and how quickly that his body is picking up weight. Rousseau is doing a great job in the weight room. He's eating properly now in the Miami system. And I think he's going to be a really, really good defensive end in this program sooner rather than later. The Hurricanes also feel like they got a steal in a kid that they identified late, and that's Jordan Miller from Jacksonville. He's a 330-pounder who's earmarked as a replacement for Kendrick Norton as a middle space eater at nose tackle. Very interesting story behind Miller. He had gallbladder surgery during spring practice last year. So when coaches made their rounds in Jacksonville, nobody saw him. And I believe his coach had a little connection to a certain SEC school that begins with a T and was earmarking Jordan Miller to go Tennessee and wasn't really making the – School's aware of him very much. Well, Bradley Jennings Sr., whose son, as you know, is a Miami linebacker, obviously was saw Jordan Miller as he started coaching in Jacksonville Sandalwood and called Manny Diaz and said, hey, you got to look at this kid. This kid's really good. Miami coaches watched the tape. They were impressed. They offered him, and he very quickly committed – and decided to come to Miami. Great recruiting story. Linebacker was not a priority this year, but Miami landed one that Manny Diaz loves in South Dave's Patrick Joyner, and now linebacker will become a much bigger priority in the 2019 cycle. Okay, so right there, I gave you a ton that everybody, in my opinion, should be really thrilled about. All right? Now... There's no recruiting class that's perfect. And I see two positions that I think are worthy of debate as we begin Kane Sport Live this evening and as you move forward and analyze the body of work that was done in this recruiting cycle. That's offensive line and defensive back. Let's start with the DB recruiting because I know it's on so many people's minds. And, and quite honestly, it was – totally soiled and unfairly so by the exploits of American Heritage's Pat Sertain and Tyson Campbell, who chose Alabama and Georgia respectively. And a lot of people have been all over Mike Rumpf, the defensive backs coach who once coached at Heritage, because they're just assuming that because Rumpf coached those guys earlier in their career, that they're are supposed to just blindly follow him to Miami, not have any desire or wishes of their own, no minds of their own. They're supposed to just come to Miami because Mike Rump's at Miami. 
And it just doesn't work that way, folks. And, and it, that's an unrealistic expectation. These kids have their own minds. They have their own things that they want. They have their own families with opinions and things like that. And they have every right to make whatever decisions that they see as being best for themselves. You know, it's not like Alabama and Georgia don't walk through the front door with very compelling resumes. And if kids are predisposed to leave home and go to those schools, my feeling is so be it. You know, obviously Miami wants to get everybody, but with hundreds of college prospects in the state of Florida, that's just not reality, okay? But here's what is bothering me, and here's what I think is wrong. And that's the way these elite kids that are choosing to go to Alabama in particular, and in this case Tyson Campbell with Georgia, are jerking around the Miami coaching staff for month after month after month with no intention of seriously going to Miami. And they're jerking them around, and they're making them go through the recruiting process and spend hundreds and thousands of hours maybe talking to them on the phone and calling them and coming to the schools and making home visits. That's all time that the Miami staff could be out recruiting other kids. There's more than two defensive backs or three defensive backs in a given recruiting class. Okay, and I guarantee you there's a, several kids out there just as good as Pat Sertain and Tyson Campbell. That maybe if Miami had been on earlier in the recruiting cycle, and I know their philosophy is to, to zero in on South Florida, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But they've also shown an ability to go outside of South Florida and get players. Maybe it's Georgia. Maybe it's, an, it's another state. And maybe it's in Florida. But my point is, I don't understand why these kids, if they have no intention of staying home, and I don't believe either one of those two ever had an intention of staying home, and even after as good of a recruiting visit as you could possibly have last weekend when Sertain and Campbell and their parents visited Miami officially, Miami still finished number three for both of them. And that's what's bothering me. I want to see these kids. If you want to go, go. But don't jerk the Miami coaching staff around. They deserve better than that. Quality guys, quality human beings who are busting their butts and doing a pretty darn good job. And they don't deserve to have it held back because they're wasting their time recruiting these elite kids that have no intention of going to the school. That's just my opinion. I don't know if anybody out there agrees with me or doesn't agree with me, but I thought it was really unfair the way that the recruitment of those two kids soiled what should have been a a moment of celebration for Miami because they got a lot of very good players in this recruiting class. And if they can do it again in 2019, this program is going to be well on its way to being the kind of program that everybody wants to see it be. One recruiting class doesn't do it. You got to string them together. You know, Alabama, the reason they're playing in the national title game every year is because they went seven straight years as the number one recruiting class in the country until Georgia beat them at their own game this year. So, you know, that, that's where I stand on that. I know it's on a lot of people's minds. I look forward to hearing your opinions on it as we go forward in the show this evening. So time will tell on this, but I think there's still a great chance that this defensive back class can end up being excellent. And I know Miami coaches think it's one of the best defensive back classes in school history, and time is going to tell on that. But Gilbert Frierson for example, is an elite athlete with a potentially great future. DJ Ivey is a long cornerback 
whose speed is his only real question mark. He's got the he's got the size and the length that you want out of a quality corner. He's just got to prove he's fast enough. Al Blades is a scrappy kid who has the the Miami legacy behind him. Uh, we'll see how he does. You know, he's he, you know he's had a had a little bit of a rough go of it in his senior year of high school. He didn't get to start first team because the coaches felt that there were two better corners at St. Thomas Aquinas, but Miami coaches still thought enough of them to bring him in, and we'll see how he goes. So, you know, I don't, I don't, we haven't seen enough to make any great predictions on on Al Blades, but what I can tell you is he's a scrappy athlete who, at worst, should be a really good special teams performer for the Hurricanes. And then Gervin Hall is a solid safety that could have gone just about anywhere in the country. And he was one of Miami's priorities, and they locked him in early. And then late in the game here, they picked up Nigel Bethel, a kid with great speed. And we'll see how they can develop him as a cornerback. Um, I think he's also a kid that could factor in on special teams and as a kick returner. Um, but really, really, really solid speed, speed there and an all-around athlete that could be used in several different ways. Offensive line. It's a position where we think Miami can raise the bar. Okay, we, we like the lone scape a lot. Uh, very impressive in all the camps he came to. Rose up from three-star status to four-star status. He looks like a real solid prospect. Cleveland Reed brings a lot of nice size to the table and seems to have some versatile skill. Okay, our evaluations of John Campbell were not as glowing as those other two. We'll see how he, how he develops. He didn't do as well in the camps that he went to as Scaife and Reed. But the bottom line is that the offensive line position, if we're honest, is probably the greatest area of need on the football team right now. And, you know, we thought that in this recruiting cycle that the Miami program could have used more elite guys, more, more instant impact guys. And, you know, that's a place where we would like to see the Canes aim higher when they go recruiting on the next cycle. And, you know, I think they've proven this is a good enough coaching staff that even though the priority is South Florida, as it should be, they can go outside of this home turf and they can compete with other schools for players. And, yeah, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it might not work out and they might invest time that they feel that they could be investing just driving around South Florida. And that makes a lot of sense, but the line positions in particular, and you saw coach cool get real aggressive going around the country in the final weeks of recruiting, trying to get one more defensive tackle in this class, but the offensive and defensive line positions are not easy to recruit in the state of Florida. The state of Florida produces a lot of skilled players. It does not produce a lot of great linemen. And that's just one area where, you know, if, if we're evaluating the entire thing, honestly, that we could say Miami can do better at offensive line and we'd like to see them aim higher in the next recruiting cycle. So that's an objective, honest look at recruiting. I think everybody should be pretty darn happy. That's, that's just my opinion. And tonight is also the first time since the Orange Bowl game that we've gotten together on this show. The Hurricanes couldn't survive a hard second quarter and lost to Wisconsin by 10 points, ending their season with three consecutive losses. And then there were the departures of Kendrick Norton 
and R.J. McIntosh in the face of evaluations by the NFL that suggested that they should return the school. I'm sure there's some opinions out there about that. So we're going to talk about all of that and more tonight as we begin a new edition of Kane Sport Live. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we once again welcome you to Kane Sport Live. As always, it's your show. It'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. We have over 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. Um, we'll probably go up to about 10 o'clock tonight, as long as there's people interested in coming on the show. Uh, so let's uh, get right to it, see what you got to bring to the table. Uh, there were some a few questions and topics that were submitted by the posters at canesport.com to discuss on tonight's show, and I'll work those in as we go through the next uh, hour and 45 minutes or so. But let's um, start out by going right to your phone calls. Remember, you hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's begin in the 845, where you're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Hello, Gary. Greg, as usual. Hey, how Greg, are you? How you been, man? I've missed you. How, how you been doing the last several weeks? Uh, not too bad. I, first off, I want to start by saying I will... Uh, what I said about three or uh, two months ago about that kid we were supposed to get was, was the, uh, it was obviously it was wrong. I thought I, I from someone who I know knows a lot about the situation. They thought we were going to get Grimes for sure, but I think Miami told why, them. Why they would didn't Miami want him. want him? They didn't want him. Why would they want him? They've got they got four receivers that are just uh, they got four guys in this class that are as good or better than him. Why would they you know why would they go in that direction? There's no reason to take any uh, transfers at receiver. All right, let's get to it. I want to talk about Mark Rick. I love the guy. The guy I've never met him personally, but from everyone I've talked to, he's a great human being. You you obviously agree with that, right? Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Is Mark Rick ready to get down and dirty in recruiting like these other teams? Because No. No. Okay, then we're never going to be able to bring in a class like Alabama and Georgia. And you, you might be right. As long as, as long as those schools, you know, and, you know, we have a policy we don't get into, you know, what we'll call the funny business of college sports. But until what happened recently in college basketball happens in college football, you're probably right. But you know, he's not going to do that. Okay. And I know for a fact, I know for a fact, and I'll throw this out there. I know for a fact that there's schools out there that recruit against Miami they count on that, that Miami is not going to go in that direction. Right. And okay. you, see them coming, you see them coming down into South Florida all the time, and they, you know, they try to identify certain kids that they can you know, work their way in with and stuff, and, and, and it's been effective. And, but you know, to answer your question, no, <laughs> I don't think you're going to see that happen. 
Okay. Now, who's going to be next? And I don't think it happened with basketball either. Even though that they got they got a you know they got uh, reeled into this whole basketball fiasco. Right. You know, I don't I don't think that that happened in basketball either. All right. Next year, who's going to be the Sertan and Campbell of 2019 class? Is it going to be Stevenson and Ladson? You know, Greg, let me answer that better next time because, you know, we've gotten a little bit into 2019. I have not studied the 2019 class to that extent, but we have an event this weekend called Rivals Camp Miami, and we're right. going to get to, to, we're going to get the hands-on, face-to-face, up-close, evaluate, I am pretty much every prospect in South Florida. It's an amazing lineup that's coming out there this weekend. And I will have much more educated opinions on a lot of these kids once we go through the process and we're able to, like, really watch them up close. Okay. All right. I don't want to just throw out uneducated opinions. You know, we've been, we've right. been so preoccupied with 2018, but we're going to – We'll be diving into 2019 pretty quick and beginning this weekend, and I'll be able to give you some better opinions. All right. Now, as far as this new coach, Bakke, yep. he's joining a staff that already has Mark, I mean, John Rick, Mike Rump, Banda, and Thomas Brown. Most of these coaches are wet behind the ears. They're not experienced coaches. Uh, do you think that's hurting the staff? I'm not ready to say anything's hurting the staff because they had a pretty good season this year. They ran out of gas at the end, and they weren't, re- you know, they were not ready for the Pittsburgh game. Let's be honest, okay? Clemson was is just was just flat better than them. Okay, they're they were just, they're just better right now. Okay, better roster, better team. That you know, we'll see if that changes as we move forward. This year in 2017, they were better. Wisconsin, I thought Miami was on a level playing field with. They just couldn't overcome what happened in the second quarter. I mean, they they just couldn't overcome that, and they lost the game. But I, I felt like they were right on a level. They were certainly on a level playing field with Wisconsin. So, you know, no, the season didn't end very well, no doubt about it, but I think all in all, you have to be pretty happy with the forward progress. I I thought the program made some pretty decent forward progress this year and that you've seen progression in the first two years under Mark Richt. So I don't think it's, it's fair or justifiable to negatively evaluate anybody on this coaching staff right now. I think they've done a pretty good job of player development. I think they've done a pretty good job of recruiting. You know, I mentioned the one position that in recruiting, I would, I think they need to shoot a little higher and, you know, take that position to the level that they're taking the other positions in recruiting. But, you know, it's a harder position. I mean, let's face it, you know, recruiting receivers and defensive backs at Miami is not, that difficult you know let's be honest and let's be fair it's not okay there's a lot of players and a lot of guys to go around uh that are very 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 good at those positions that come from south florida and throughout the state and by the way miami had twice as many signees this year 
from the state of Florida, as Florida and Florida State combined. Okay, so uh, they're doing a pretty good job. I, you know, so I don't think it's time to to bring out the knives and start attacking this coaching staff in that way. Now, if you're asking, you have a young coaching staff. Can a young coaching staff benefit from a veteran presence? Um, I would I would agree with you. Yeah, it, it sometimes can. You know, somebody that's been through the wars that has a little deeper base of experience that can help make adjustments during games and things like that. Yeah. However, I think what the way Mark Rick looked at this is he had Manny Diaz, his defensive coordinator, who he is really like an assistant head coach. I mean, he, he relies so much on Manny and being a head coach that has nothing to do with the defense and putting Manny totally in charge of the defense that I think he felt like, let me use this 10th spot and get Manny a position coach for the linebackers to help with the linebackers. And, you know, Patkey was doing, he was doing it anyway, um, you know, in in a sense. So it, it was an easy transition. It, it was somebody they were familiar with who they had a chance to try out who they liked. And they made the move. And, you know, unless you start seeing linebackers not playing very well, I just don't – I don't think it's the time to question it, you know? Okay. Now, Mark Mark Rick, I would have liked to have seen him bring in an outside voice for this offense. His offense is not up to snuff, in my opinion. But anyway – and if if Malik Rozier takes the first snap in that LSU game next year, that's an indictment of Mark Rick and John Rick that they can't right, let me ask develop you a question, one of these. Okay. Great, let me ask you a question. Yeah. So I hear what you're saying, but if you feel that way about the most important position on the on the football field. And I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I mean, you, you know, I, I happen to think that the quarterback position is going to be wide open and that Malik Rozier has to win the job all over again. But if you're going to observe that and state that, then and, – and, and which is an acknowledgement that the quarterback play was pretty darn average this year, even though they won so many games, how can you blame – the, the guy that's the offensive play caller. You can't, if you don't have a quarterback that is going to play at, at what you're saying needs to be a higher level, how are you supposed to have a great offense? Particularly when you lose your best player, with all respects to some people on the message board. I mean, I think if you asked everybody in this Miami program going into the season, who's your best football player, that Mark Walton would have been a landslide winner in, in, a, in a vote of that sort. So that you lost Mark Walton, you're playing with a quarterback that you think is pretty darn average. How are you supposed to be a great play caller? Yet they still went out and, you know, had a phenomenal season. So almost, almost, got to number one in the, almost, almost Greg, Greg almost got to number one in the country. 
I, I understand that. He played pretty well the first seven or eight games, and then he was so inaccurate, it was incredible. Right. So, you know, I'm not making any apologies for Mark Richt. I mean, we all saw the same thing. I mean, I don't think there's any question that at times the offense can be better. And, you know, maybe, you know, he could benefit from having a veteran guy like what I was talking about up in the press box to, you know, maybe see things that he's not seeing from field level and things like that. You can make that argument. But I don't know how you can judge him negatively in that regard if you're acknowledging that he doesn't have a quarterback yet that can play at a level that you need to play at. I mean, did you see how well even that kid from Wisconsin played in the bowl game? <laughs> you know, oh, he, yes, he's, not, did. he's not considered one of the best quarterbacks in the country, but he played no, pretty darn well not. in that game. So, that's what I would say, Greg. I'm not saying you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, I think a lot of people would share your opinion that they want to see, you know, Nikozi Perry in particular get a shot next season. And if Nikosi Perry's ready, there's a pretty good chance he will. But if he's not ready, Mark Rick's not going to throw him out there. All right. I just want to leave you with this. Can I ask you one basketball question? Yeah, go ahead. Um, do you think that Yule and Brown are going to leave after this year? I do not think Yule will leave. I think, you know, he still has a lot of work to do in, in the strength department. He's taken a nice, very nice step forward this year. But, you know, he needs to add some versatility to his game. I don't know if you've noticed, but he, had, he was doing unbelievable early in the season, and that's tapered off quite a bit here the last month or so. The reason for that is all that work he did in the offseason, people got to scout early in the year, and they noticed that he always goes to his right. He hasn't developed a, a left-handed move yet, things like that. He's not, he needs to get stronger around the basket. But he's taken a huge step forward this year. I think you'll see him for at least one more year. Bruce Brown's going to have a tough decision to make. He's not ready. He was not playing very well. Uh, He probably can get drafted, possibly even in the first round, just on pure potential. And, you know, he's coming off the injury. He's not going to have a complete resume. He's going to have a tough decision to make. And, you know, I'd say it's 50-50 right now. Lonnie Walker, I think, is definitely going to go. All uh, right, and my, just one more thing. If New, Newton should never take a shot for more than eight feet from the basket. He is one of the worst outside shooters I've ever seen. He, he's yeah, I don't awful. understand that. I've, I've been talking about that a lot to people. Lately. I, have, I totally agree with you. I don't understand. He's, he's been playing for four years. He has the whole offseason to work on a shot. To me, it looks very flat. He shoots line drives at the basket, which – very rarely are going to go in. Uh, the one shot last night where he put a little arc on it, it was in and out, like he almost made it. But uh, I think he's got to work on honest. I don't. I, you would think by year four he would have already done this, but he's got to work on his shooting form, like and and, and his, his shot in general. I mean, yeah, I mean to me he just throws line drives at the basket most of the time. Right. All right, Gary. Thanks for all your work, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, Greg. Thanks for getting us started. All right, 563-999-3633, 563 
999-3633. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 352. You're on Kane Sport Live. How's it going today, Gary? This is Brad from Gainesville. What's up, Brad? How are things going up there? Uh, they must good, be um, one of the. They must be talking a lot up in Gainesville about that uh, Copeland kid that uh, whose mom walked off the set <laughs> when he picked oh, the Gators. Man, it, it was it was it was awesome because a few of my friends who are the diehard, of course, Gator fans up here, they were actually bashing him like the first week or two before he signed because. I guess he was bat- he was actually bashing Gator fans on Twitter, so they didn't like it, and they didn't they didn't want him. And now that he signed, of course, you know how Gator fans are; they'll take anybody. So I mean, <laughs> the, the funny I thought the funnier part was actually them thinking that they were going to steal Nesta Severo from me. I, I, that was like the biggest joke of them all. No, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't a joke. They no nah, man, on, honestly, no, nah, I don't. I, I, I I'm telling you, they almost honestly, got him. Man. It was very close nah, to being I, a loss. I think I think I think Nesta just wanted to have everybody realize that he, he was that man that everybody needed to get. And I think one of the words that you didn't mention when you talked about this class that I think needs to be said that not only is he the alpha of all these, but I think we have a lot of class is dogs. And when I mean dogs, I mean guys who are hungry guys who are ready to get on that field and knock somebody's head off like the old hurricane days. And I feel like a lot of these hurricane, so-called hurricane fans who think this recruiting class was either a bust or it wasn't that well, I think they need to reevaluate the talent that we have coming in. And I mean, guys like Lorenzo Lingard, Rillis George, Mark Pope, Marquis Ezard, I mean, Gervin Hall, uh, Gilbert Frierson, Nesta Severa. I mean, we, we're talking dogs on the field. And then when you match that with speed, like Greg Russo and Mark Pope again, I mean, with already a Mike Harley and Jeff Thomas, and then you got length like DJ Ivy. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous that people really think that we missed out just because we missed out on two big guys. I mean, I get it; they're big recruits. But let's be honest, guys. I mean, we're we we were relevant this year, but we're not going to be able to compete with the Clemson's, the Georgia, the Bama's right now, and and. Like Gary, um, like Greg was saying earlier about um, what is what are we gonna do to be able to compete with those guys? Unfortunately, Mark Rick is not that type of guy. He's not. He he's a real clean cut guy, and that's what makes him Mark Rick. That's what makes him be able to sit down in people's front room, look into the eyes of their family, and tell them that they're gonna be okay with not only a great football program, but with a great education. And that's what Mark Rick brings to the table that a lot of people don't realize. Um. And other than that, man, I just think I think Miami fans need to reevaluate a little bit because we're we're on the right path. Um, I think this past year we took a very big step that a lot of people didn't think we were going to take. Um, obviously, with the Clemson game, they were just way over overmatched. Um, it, it it shows not only on the field but in recruiting still. But I think I really do think we're we're on the right path. I think the only biggest question mark uh, going into this year will be play calling. Um, I think we could have used that 10th coach as maybe, like Greg was saying, another another guy to overlook the field. But at the same time, there's no really other 10th coaches out there for any college right now that you could literally pick up a 10th coach and be like, oh, I'll, I'll praise him for getting that 10th coach. There's nobody, a real big standout guy out there right now. So I, I don't think people need to worry too much about it. Um, I think this is going to be the time where we actually, when we play these other ACC teams that we should be beating by a lot more based off our talent 
I think that's what needs to happen this year. And, of course, when we have those bigger games, we need to be able to step up to the table. Um, and I, I don't think I don't think uh, Hurricane fans need to worry too much about our D-line and our linebacker depth this year just because we didn't recruit enough to fill those spots. I think they need to realize that all these guys that we currently have on the team, even if they didn't play a lot last year, I mean, we got dogs. Again, Gerald Willis. I mean, you want to talk about a dog, that's another dog right there. I mean, we, we, have, we have the talent to what it takes. I mean, we're, we're in South Florida. We're Day County for a reason. And you, could, you can't complain because we didn't get two alpha dogs. Just because they are big-name guys and they have the five-star, don't overlook those DJ Ivies and those Gilbert Frierson's. Don't, don't overlook, promise you. They are going to make a difference on this football team, kind of like what you saw from DJ Dallas this past year. Yeah, you got to retrain the mind a little bit. You got to look at the whole body of work. You got to look at the entire class, not just what happened yesterday, not just that they got three guys yesterday and lost two. And you know, like I said earlier, it's a a shame that all the good work that they did got soiled a little bit by what those two kids did, and it's kind of criminal. And like I said, I I just wish these kids, like, you want to go to Alabama? It's it's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with Alabama. You know, just say that's what you want to do. And he was perfectly honest, man. He wants to win a championship. He's used to winning championships in high school. I mean, then Alabama or Georgia is the right place to go right now. But I promise you in about a year or two, Miami will be right back up there where we won't have to worry about some of these big names. But as of right now, we just need to cool down and evaluate what we got right now. I mean, I think one of the biggest question marks going into the offseason that we actually took care of was keeping – Coach Duggins, I mean, he, Coach Duggins alone has turned this program around in two years as far as receiving group, where I honestly think from top to bottom, we have the deep, deepest wide receiving group in the college football nation right now. I mean, there's not one guy in our receiving group that you could honestly say is a bum or is, is not panning well. I mean, Evans Njoku is probably the only one, but he hasn't played yet, and he's got the size and the talent to do it. Yep. I agree with everything you said. So other than that, uh, other than that, man, the only question I have for you is uh, what – actually, a little bit, and I'm actually uh, on the other fence about it. I actually don't mind Malik Rozier starting, but he – I think – I don't think he's going to end up the starting quarterback at the end of the year, not even maybe after the first game. But I wouldn't mind – I would feel more at peace or more comfortable if he started at least the first game against LSU, it's going to be in a different environment. It's going to be a big game. And I just don't know if Perry or even Williams uh, will be ready for that big stage yet because they haven't physically played in that big stage. But, I mean, of course, if Rozier doesn't do well, maybe the first quarter, first half, then obviously they would come in and do their thing. But, I mean, I, I wouldn't panic at all if Malik Rozier ended up being our starting quarterback at the beginning. And like Mark Rick said, it's pretty much his job right now until they get into practice, and obviously he would have to compete. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried about that. But now if he, if he started the season and ended the season like he did this past year, then that's when I would be a little bit worried and, and actually question Mark Rick and John Rick and figure out are they really developing these quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your take on that? Well, I, I think you're gonna you're gonna find out real quick this spring. Uh, you know, when when you see how Nikozi Perry sh- shows up, when you see if Cade Weldon has improved and is a factor, uh, I think that's when you're gonna start to see it. Is this spring? 
All right, man. That's, I mean, like I said, man, I didn't really have too many questions. I just wanted to let, let some of these KM fans know, man, no, don't worry too much about this class. And honestly, a lot of people don't realize is, man, this is the best recruiting class we've had easily in a decade and possibly like one of the best recruiting classes ever. I mean, if you think about it, the it, last it's time potentially we pretty good. About, no yeah, doubt about I mean, it. The last time we were, last time we were talking about one of the best recruiting classes we had ever, if you really look at it, it was probably our biggest bust ever because of all the Northwestern kids, they didn't pan out the way we thought. Right. So that's why you don't ever really, really know. But in looking at this class, I, I don't see too many kids on there that I don't think are going to be really, really good. Sure. And they all, they all fit that. They all, they all seem like they had that same kinship and that same bond that to where they, they're almost like friends on and off the field. I, I've been, I've been looking a lot about that and it, it, it seems like they're, they're already friends before they even hit the field. And I like that. I like the mentality that uh, Mark Ricks and the staff's bringing. Yeah, the coaches but, uh, did a great job of getting man, those kids to bond. They, part of, the, part of the, the, the success of the recruiting cycle was the way they got those kids to bond with each other, and I'm sure they're going to try to replicate that in 2019. Yeah, man, I, that, that's about it, man. I just want to say go Canes all the way up here from Gainesville, and uh, we're, we're definitely attacking the field, and I, I can't wait for this season to start, man. All right, thank, thanks for being part of the show. Make sure you call in the next time. Will do. That was, a good, that was a good call. Thanks. All right, guys, this next segment of Kane Sport Live is brought to you by the startup.com, which is the world's first virtual incubator created by Kane's fans to help Kane's fans and their friends and family try to get a break in the competitive business world. And uh, I've been telling you about them all football season. Um, they're on canesport.com constantly. And the folks at the startup.com have created a workplace without walls, and an internet-based platform where any current or aspiring entrepreneur can go and test their ideas, build business plans, communicate, and strategize with team members, and even forecast and manage their cash flows. The ecosystem was created to be a command center for entrepreneurs, housing a robust suite of digital tools for startups and business owners. So if you own a small business, if you're thinking of starting one, Visit the startup.com today for a free trial. It's one site at one price to rule them all. Owned by Canes fans. If you're not a Canes fan, they won't hire you to work there. So go visit the startup.com. I don't think you'll be sorry if you're looking for some ways that you can improve your business acumen. All right, let's get back to your calls. 563. 563- 999-3633. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Hey, who's this? This is Patrick Kane. First time caller. Long time listener. Oh, good. Yeah, thanks for calling in. What you got for us? So there's been some chatter about uh, Sterling Johnson, possible transfer from Clemson. Um, do you know anything about this? And if so, is he eligible for uh, grad transfer? Uh, I, I think it's all chatter right now. I do think that they will be in the transfer market. I think they, they've they got a couple spots to play with that they potentially can be in the market for transfers. Whether it'll be Johnson in particular, I can't say right now. But I do think they will be actively looking for particularly another defensive tackle. I think they would love to have. That sounds good. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I, mean, I would think so even an offensive lineman. If they could get a really good offensive lineman, I'd be surprised if they didn't take that guy too. 
yeah, that seems to be the two biggest areas of need, especially in the interior of the line. Um, so this guy in 2019, Jaden Davis, um, is he the guy who stole Outblade's job last year? And uh, if so, do you see his, you know, stock skyrocketing going forward? I mean, he's a very good player. I mean, I, I think his stock is pretty good. You know, where it goes from here, we'll, you know, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, he's a very good prospect. Um, and, you know, we have the annual recruiting challenge in 2019 on both sides of the line. Um, and besides linebacker, which is an obvious need, do you see any other area that we should really be focusing in on to take, you know, kind of an outsized class compared to normal? I think that the front seven in particular is, is really, really good this year. I think you're going to see the defensive coaches focus a lot there. Uh you know, maybe they'll take a DB or two also, obviously, but I think you're going to see a big emphasis on linebackers this year. And I hope that there's a big emphasis on offensive line. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I, I think that that position right now is holding this football program back big time. It's, it's not up to the same level as at least what we think is the rest of the football team. I mean, the, those two tackles that on defense leaving early hurts a lot, and it really weakens that position. But to me, offensive line is holding back the whole program right now. And I hope that they, like I said earlier in the show, I think they need to raise the bar there. Reach higher. Yeah. <laughs> yes, reach higher, UM. Um, uh, I guess I'll end with two uh, closing comments. One, I do think we had a chance with the cornerbacks, but then we had a three-game losing streak to end the season, and that kind of makes it a, a game of contenders versus pretenders in the eyes of the recruit. No, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I, don't, I personally don't agree with that. I mean, so I'm sure some people listening do agree with it. Uh, I don't think that was any factor at all. I think those kids wanted to go play in the SEC. And for, for months, Tyson Campbell – was rumored to be going to Georgia for months, three, four, five months. And, and certain was, was rumored to be going to LSU and then it became LSU or Alabama. Uh, you know, those yeah, kids were predisposed. Know. They were, they were predisposed. And, uh, you know, like I said, they just, I just wish that they had said that, you know, I don't, I think they wasted a lot of time for the Miami staff. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, pretty disappointing. Um, and then I guess my my last comment would be uh, earlier you were talking about how Mark Rick's offense, uh, you know, has a reason why it wasn't so effective this year, you know, from the quarterback struggles to losing Mark Walton. And I would add that a third and probably more important bo- point than either of those is that we didn't even have a fullback, which is centerpiece of a Mark Rick's offense. Correct. I agree. And that's why real use George is so important because he's going to give Mark Rick that guy and, you know, some offensive coaches don't need a, don't want a fullback, don't need a fullback. Mark Rick throughout his whole career has loved having a fullback. And he loves being, he loves being able to use the eye formation and play action and things like that. All things that weren't really major factors this year. You know, Miami couldn't go into the eye formation. There was very little play action or, you know, traditional play action. And those are, have always been staples of Mark Richt. And some people will say it's obsolete in college football. But if you're going to run this type of offense with these type of receivers and tight ends and things like, you know, like the, the type of players that Miami's getting right now, 
you know, being able to do that is a big deal. I agree. Um, all right, thank you for taking the time tonight to uh, take my call. Have a good one. You got it. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being part of it. All right, let's go out now to the the two three nine. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hello. Yes, sir. That's you. Hey, Gary. How you doing? Doing hey, great. Who's this? Uh, is Armando. What's up, Armando? Uh, what you got for us? Uh, congratulations on uh, another great year covering these kids. I can't imagine how difficult your job must be. Um, uh, we, we appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, we we work really hard at it. You know, um, you know, Matt Shodell, who you know who works for us, is 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 an absolute beast on 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 just you know persistently chasing these kids and. You know, we take we obviously take it very seriously for you guys, and uh, I'm glad that you're happy. We, we we you know we do our best for you. Yeah, it, it almost seems like you guys are recruiting them as well, as much as you guys. No, like follow no, we don't do that. <laughs> we're you not trying to not, we're not trying to break any not, NCAA rules or anything. We don't recruit them, but you know we just not, we just write mean, about them. We we write about what they're I doing and what they're thinking. No, I didn't mean like literally recruiting. I'm just like just in terms of having to keep up with them and what's on their mind and stuff. And so I know high school kids can be a little bit difficult. Hey, I had um uh, a few things that I wanted to talk about. I have a whole list. I I'm not gonna go through the whole list because there's a lot of other people that want to get on the show. But um, I guess the first thing that I, um I guess the question that I had concerning I was one of the guys that was concerned of Mike Rump. And the reason why I was concerned of him is because, I mean, I'm not sure um, if my memory is just making this up or not, but it, the article that you wrote about American Heritage, I mean, he was the, the head coach at American Heritage when a lot of this um, chatter would have started about Miami and um, our, our unwillingness to go out and um, recruit them. And so I don't remember if it, was, if it happened or not, but I almost felt like he wasn't, he didn't like the previous staff, the coaching staff that we had here. And when when I say previous staff, that obviously ties into the entire University of Miami. And so that was that was one of my major concerns. You know, how does you know how are you gonna as a high school as a coach? You know, you're telling your kids. I'm not saying that this is happening now. I'm just you know um, uh, saying maybe this could have happened. Um, hey, uh, you know. They're not really recruiting our, our school that much, um, and then all of a sudden they give you a job, and now you got to go around and tell that same kid that you you know not that you were negative recruiting or you know you were given a bad word, but it almost seems like you have to change you know your personality and say hey you know as opposed to you know what he's not trying to push him in any direction, now it's like um, he's trying to recruit them, and it kind of seems ingenuine for him. Not that he, you know he would have done done it on purpose, but that was just kind of my concern about Mike Rump. Like, uh, what was your what was your take on it? When we hired him, what was your initial thought that you had when we hired Mike Rump? Well, I mean, my initial thought was that he, you know, he was a guy, he played in the National Football League, he had some experience as a coach, and, and, I, and you know, he obviously knows people throughout South Florida, and I, I thought he was a good hire, and I, I think he's done a good job. I, I, th- I thought the cornerbacks this year took major steps forward. You, you know, you saw what he got out of a freshman in, in Trajan Bandy, and, uh, you know, I, I think that if you're going to judge him in recruiting – 
I mean, judge him for getting Gilbert Frierson too. You know, I mean, Gilbert Frierson is a very good player, and and you know, I, I know Banda. I guess you, you know gets most of the credit for Gervin Hall, and justifiably so. But you know, those guys work together and 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 recruit defensive backs, and you know, I think you got to give him credit for the ones that he did get. You know. Could it have been better if they got if Campbell or Sertain wanted to come to Miami? Absolutely, it could have been better. And you know, but I but I just don't I don't think it's fair to pin that on him because I think those kids were predisposed to going to play in the SEC and they had an opportunity to go to Alabama, which has been playing for the national championship almost every year, whose head coach is you know arguably the the most successful coach in college football history and whose specialty is developing defensive backs. And, you know, I I think you have to, you have to have respect for the sales pitch of of the school that won out in that case, Alabama. And if you look at Georgia, obviously a rising program for, you know, without question. I mean, you saw the season they had this year in year two of Kirby smart and you see the kind of recruiting class they just put together. Their defensive coordinator is Mel Tucker, who Nick Saban's defensive backs coach and their defensive, their head coach is Kirby smart, who is Nick Saban's defensive coordinator for all those years. So like these people have very good sales pitches for guys like Tyson Campbell and, and Pat Sertain. And, and I think that, you know, that's something that kind of got lost in the shuffle through all the criticism of Mike Rumpf. I think people are, are kind of disrespecting the opposition a little bit and, and just assuming that because Mike Rumpf coached at those, that school, that these kids are obligated to come to Miami. They weren't, they're not obligated. And, and, you know, Mike Rumpf and Banda and, and every, and Diaz and everybody else worked as hard as they could to turn these kids but they didn't have a chance. Those kids were going to the SEC. And, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, I just wish that they had said so honestly from the beginning because it never, ever looked like they were going to go to Miami. I, felt, I, I, I didn't feel like, you know, their decision was anything even close to like what Josh drove. I thought they were pretty classy throughout the recruiting process. You know, whether they – we're serious about Miami or not? No one really knows. But I mean, exactly the I same. They, Josh so Job and, and those two kids are exactly the same. Josh Job was never coming to Miami. He Josh Job told me to my face a year ago he wasn't going to Miami, and then proceeded to put the Miami coaches through the exact same thing for all those months. But they didn't actually commit, so I don't. I wouldn't put it in the same class because they never. Well, even, that's true. I jo- mean, they- Job was worse. You're right. You're right. But it's I'm gonna be petty. I'm gonna be petty a little bit. I went. I was at the Immokalee uh, American Heritage game, and um, not per, per, Tyson Campbell got burned by a five-eight, five-eight receiver from Immokalee deep. So I mean, uh, I wasn't. I wasn't off sold on him as much as I was on Pat Sertain. That was the guy I really wanted. Um, another question I have: How was the, the? I was. I read an article. A few weeks ago, about the support staff that Nick Saban does, and then it, um, it, they were talking about Georgia and the difference between uh, Kirby Smart and Mark Riggs, and it, it really painted Mark Riggs in a bad light. It made it seem like uh, Mickey Mouse compared to um, 
to uh, Kirby Smart and the staff that he had. And I, I was wondering, the support staff that they have in Miami and manpower, you know, scouts, um, video techs, guys do all, all this stuff. How would you compare to some Georgia and Alabama? Well, I don't think they have enough the same numbers. But I think they do a really good job with what they do. Um, you know, Matt Dougherty, who's the director of player personnel, is a real hardworking young guy who, you know, knows what he's doing and, and does a good job leading up the effort. Uh, they got a guy named George Baez who works underneath them, who is relentless with these kids and, and, and spends every waking minute of his life interacting with these kids on social media and bonding with these kids and, you know, you often would often when we're out there talking to the kids and stuff, uh, he's the guy that they'll mention as somebody that they're in constant communication with. And, you know, he works real hard and, you know, they got a couple other guys in there too. Uh, I don't think they're lacking in that area at all. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that, uh, Miami had the number six class and Georgia had the number one class because Georgia has a better support staff. I, you know, I just don't, you know, I don't think that that's a factor at all. I think that these guys work real hard. I think they do a, they do a good job and, um, it's not an issue. Okay. And uh, another question I have, uh, I, I read somewhere that the kid Nigel Bessel that we signed um, yesterday. Yeah, talk into uh, your phone so we can hear you. This kid Nigel Bessel that um, signed with us yesterday, I read that he was a lockdown um, corner at one of the camps. How? What does that mean in terms of evaluation, how he could, how he could um, do for us at the University of Miami? They love his speed. He, he, he's got, you know – just amazing speed and and that gives you a lot to start with and he he needs to be developed as a as a cornerback uh not as polished as you know kids like Campbell or Sertain or Frierson even and um he's going to need some development as a defensive back but a real athletic kid uh, a guy that brings great speed to the table and um a guy that they think can help the program in a lot of different ways uh, the cornerback that we um, signed last year, the JUCO, how 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 did he finish off the year? Because my concern is, I I kind of figured we really needed cornerback. It looked like you know it was like third and eighteen. I don't know how many times throughout the season we always got beat on dig routes or in routes, and it just you know I'm just concerned about our cornerbacks. If we're going to really compete next year, going to continue to you know get better. You know we already lost our two D tackles, and that's going to mean a lot less pressure up the middle. But uh, I just I just wanted to know how how is how are cornerbacks looking? Um well, I you know, I I think the the ones that they have made decent progress. I I I think if we're honest that we would say Javante Dean who you're talking about a little bit was a disappointment. You know, you bring in a kid who's who's a transfer like that and are expecting him to be a, a frontline player right away, and he, and he, and he wasn't. And, and it took him a while to even get on the field. And, you know, I thought he played so-so in the bowl game. I, you know, I think he had some struggles out there. And um, this is going to be a big spring for him. He needs to take a, the next step. He's, he's got uh, the size. He, he, I think he's fast enough. And I think he's got to take the next step this spring and justify them bringing him into the program. Let me ask you another question. How did Florida get in on with Nessa Severa so late and to the point to where it was, I mean, 
I mean, we're I think we're all flipping now whether he was going to flip or not. Like, what goes on? Like, you know, well, when he goes in, in a visit like that and to make him think and consider, does he really? I mean, Florida. I mean, what do they have going for them? I I could have understood if it was Alabama or Ohio State, but Florida they're dealing with a new coach. They haven't had much success. I don't know what the depth chart looks like, but um. But, yeah, how does it happen? Well, I think, you know, you had a coaching staff that came in late because of the change. And, you know, obviously they go and they do their thing. And, you know, they, they coaches that are good recruiters can make kids think a little bit. And I think that they got Nesta's attention with whatever their sales pitch was. And he strongly considered it. But at, at the end of the day, the thing that I found and – I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, too long probably, but the thing that I've always found is kids tend to go, tend to end up where their heart was at the beginning. And I think that's what you saw with Nesta. I think that's what you saw with Sertain and Campbell. Their hearts were going to the SEC, uh, whether it was Alabama or LSU for Sertain, whether it was Georgia or Alabama for Campbell. Uh, there was a point where my sources – up in Tuscaloosa were telling me that Alabama thought that they were going to get both of them. And, you know, like those kids' hearts were going to the SEC. And just like Nesta's heart, Nesta almost recruited Miami. His heart was going to the University of Miami. And those kids ended up back where they started. And, and, and I think, you know, you see that quite a bit. All right. Yeah, I'm 32 years. I started I started watching the Hurricanes in, in the mid nineties and um and so I don't remember what it was like, you know, in terms of the Orange Bowl, you know, week in and week out. I'm not talking about the big games. I'm just talking about you know, the Rutgers and the Syracuses, you know, how the stadium looked for those big games. And I'm just wondering, you know, what was what did the Orange Bowl look like? back then um was it different was it the same problem you know how did our recruiting classes look compared you know with with that or are we has this kind of always been the same problem with miami since you know they become a program um, i don't know i mean the 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 orange bowl when the orange bowl got lit up man it was it, it, it was it was a very special environment but i'll tell you what uh hard rock stadium this year for those couple games was every bit as 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 good in a in a different kind of way, and um, there I, I think it was proven this year that that can be a true home stadium for the Hurricanes, uh, and I just hope that the fans that came out this year will keep coming back year after year because it really created a spe- special environment and a special experience for everybody, and it, it made being a Canes fan really fun. Hey, when's it going to be our last show? You um, answer that question, and you can put me on hold. Or our next. I, I don't. The next show, I don't. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Probably around spring football time, I would think. Uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. When there's enough stuff to talk about, uh, keep your eyes posted on the message board. All right. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. Great questions, great thoughts, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Five six three nine 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 three six three three. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go out to the eight five zero. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? Who's this? Yeah, I'm here. Alrighty, who's this? Hey, what's up, Omar? Omar. How you been, man? What you got for us? 
Oh, man, it's been great. It's been great, man. Um, I'm happy about our recruiting class. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm real happy with who we got. I'm happy that we didn't get Kimball or the other guy. Because if you look back on the season, like, we didn't have that good of cornerbacks like that this time around that, w- that we thought we would. But people showed up. Like, you got Jackson showed up. You didn't see him having the season he had. Like, no one saw that. That's developing the players. And he wasn't even a caliber player that, you know, Michael Jackson. He wasn't a caliber player that we thought he was going to be. But look what he turned out to be. And we don't need – we don't – you don't have to get the greatest player to make him into a, a great defender, you know. That's the thing that people not getting. Sometimes it's just it, – it's like – like the oh, like how they say it ain't the size of the dog in the fight; it's the size of the fight in the dog. Like for real, that's sometimes that's what it comes down to. You see, uh, little uh, Bandy, uh, Trajan Bandy. That man, he 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 don't, he's not that big, but you see the fight in him. You, you know you you gonna have to see him every play because he's coming. So if you you slip up, you know, I, and I like that. But um, I just want to go over a couple things, man. First, I want to talk about the quarterbacks. Um, I think I think Rozier, man, he'll he'll keep his job if he can master one thing that I keep seeing him do, and that's when he's when the play breaks down and he got to make a play outside of the of the tackle box. If it, if there's not an open lane for, like forward, like that he can clearly see. He never goes left or right. Like, I, I'm, I see this every time, and it kills me. I'm like, dude, you just got to move around. Like, if you move around and make a play out of the play by scrambling and get, get, and look down the field, that's the thing. He get crowded and he's short, so he starts to fold up or he'll either take off and not really see where he's going like that. And I think that's something that killed them. If he can make that part of his game, he he would have made so many plays. But you never seen a play on the run. Do you agree? Yeah, I think he could do a better job in that regard, no doubt. You know, I mean, look, I, you, sometimes kids can only be as good as they actually are. And, and Malik yeah, was a backup. Yeah, right. He was a backup to Brad Kaya for, for three years because that's what he was. He, was, he wasn't as good as Brad Kaya. And you know, yeah. the but program. You see, I'm not saying nothing about his arm strength. Cause one thing about it, you 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 got what you got. So the only thing that I can see that can make him kind of have a a leg in this race. Because if he don't do that, then he's gonna lose. Cause them other boys can throw better than him. Like just straight up being honest, they way more accurate. They can throw the deep ball that he's being challenged on, and they're taller, and they're they yeah. can run well, too. So I mean, Malik like that, does not yeah. have Nikozi Perry's talent. He does, just doesn't. Yeah. And Nikozi Perry couldn't beat him out this year because Nikozi Perry wasn't ready. He didn't know. He didn't. He didn't have the understanding of the game that Malik had, having been a pro. He had been a college quarterback for three years. Yeah. So you know? that's, and that was the that was the leg up that he had on him that time around. Now this time around, I don't know if he's still gonna have that leg up on him. So well, that's, that's what we're what that's what they're gonna have to find out in spring practice. Find out, 
Yeah, that's something else I want to. I'm I'm excited for them boys to have that indoor um, indoor uh, facility now. Like man, that's I, I'm ready to see what you know what effects that have on their endurance and things like that for real. Because I think it it may really have effect because you they ain't got to feel that sun all day, you know. So yeah, I'm ready to see that open up, and so they're gonna be practicing that this this spring, right or no? No, not this spring. No, I thought they was gonna open it up by this spring, but or this, no, by the, that probably by the, probably by the fall. Okay, okay, okay. Um, one August. question. Okay, so one question. Who you think is gonna um? Who's gonna be competing for that other oh that open um DN spot? Who you think they're gonna have that? You think it's gonna be the dude Grusso? He's, I think, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah I do. I think, I think, I think Russo. Joe Jackson on one side, and then Obwood just graduated. So. Well, you got Demetrius Jackson coming back too. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's going to be Demetrius. I'm trying to figure out what other DNs that we had that would probably be on that side. I know Demetrius probably would be because he was doing good. I hope he just come back like he like he was. You know, sometime boy take. It's that second step now, you know, once you take that injury. I just hope he come back clean. Will he be able to practice this spring or no? Uh, we have not heard yet on that. Uh, the, okay. the, I got to think that, you know, guys that are coming off serious injuries that are, you know, they're more than likely to not go real hard in the spring. You know, I don't think they want to risk, yeah. you yeah. know, re, yeah, re- in the fall. But you know, don't don't sleep on Scott Patchen, who, yeah, yeah. you know, if oh, he yeah. could just stay it's healthy, if, if he could just stay healthy, you know, I mean, if he could just stay yeah. healthy, I think can make a contribution um, at, at the defensive end. He, and and you know, also don't him. don't forget about Garvin. Garvin's going to be great, Omar. Oh you man, know, I know. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I think they'll be okay yeah. at defensive end. Yeah, you know, with those, with yeah, those yeah. guys and 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 you know, Russo maybe factoring in a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. One. Uh, one more thing. Um, I see everybody talking about the DB coaches and how they feel about they recruiting and stuff like that, but it's like they missing the point. Like. The men went out. They went out and got like what four or five DBs, and they're pretty good guys. Like all of them have some type of attribute, whether they're tall, lanky, or they got speed, or they they have something that you can work with. And and but I don't see everybody going. Listen, in, in, in Frierson and Gervin Hall, you should have two starters, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Or right. you know, and and even if Gervin Hall is, is is not as good as Amari Carter and 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 Derek Smith, then then he's certainly nice going to be a he's yeah, certainly be a rotation guy. So that's there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. If you get two out of your four yeah. starters in the secondary in one recruiting class, there's nothing wrong with that. That's pretty good. Man, and those All right, Omar, let me let some other people get on, man. We're we're, I, we're, I we're, we're only going to ten o'clock okay, tonight, yeah, so. Yeah. Thanks for being part of the show, and uh, give us a call next time. All right, let's go to the 404. You're live on Kane Sport Live. (laughs) Gary, 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 (laughs) Gary. It's your boy, Ukiyo 8. 
What's up, Uki? How you doing, man? How you been? I'm doing good, man. You know, it's a lot of contradiction. The fans, from everybody when it comes to Miami recruiting and everything that, you know, when Miami fails or doesn't, you know, accomplish things that they set out to accomplish, there's always an excuse. There's always, an, you know, and the, the, the interesting, the conversation you just had with Omar, it sounded like you guys are just, it's like, Oh, it's okay. We got these guys that want to be here. Oh, blah blah blah. Like he's just settling into number one, and that's that's that's, that's why it's like, I mean, settling to be number two, or settling just to be get what we can get. But at the okay. same time, let me ask you a question. No, if don't, you, don't, forget about Campbell and Chicane. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, no, wait, listen to me for a minute. Forget, it's, forget it's about, about Campbell and Satane. It's not even about Campbell and Satane, Gary. This okay, goes so who way would you have liked to have seen them get that they didn't but, get? But this, 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 listen, this is, goes way back to even when we had Randy and Golden, we were using top recruits. And people's excuse would be, well, he wasn't any good anyway. And then we go, they, and then two, three years later, we see them same players that we we claim that we had that go better than we got other players that this people swear up and down was better than a balling for another program, balling for Clemson, a balling for Alabama, a balling for Ohio State. But Listen, no, wait, the, sorry, the, time the, out. The, Nobody will argue with you, okay? Uh, if if you want to say that Joe Campbell and Sertain were high high level defensive back recruits from South Florida this year, I don't think anybody would argue with you. They didn't want to stay home. There's nothing but, the staff could have done. The problem. Okay, but nothing. The thing, There's nothing. You know, I'm telling but, but, you. But, but, the Pookie, perception I am, of reality. I, I, we follow this I'm, as closely Gary, as it can possibly Gary, be followed. Gary, Wait a minute. Listen to me for a minute. Let me explain something, Just and then I'll let you talk. There is nothing with those three kids that they could have done differently at all. If, if there was, I'd be the first one to be here saying it. You know, I, you know I always keep it real with you guys. There's nothing they could have done. Those kids did not want to stay home. So there's nothing you can do now other than that, other than those kids. Who else would you have wanted them to get that they didn't get? That that you feel they should have gotten? I mean, this, this is my whole thing. This is my whole, this is my whole thing, Gary. It's not about where they where they wanted to be or where they wanted to go, the perception is everything. I'm pretty sure Tyson Campbell wasn't sold on going to UGA at the beginning of the year, but after watching their season, I'm pretty sure he was convinced after then. But you know what? You made a good point, Gary. You made a point where, yeah, they have a good pitch they can sell to the players. Kirby Smart has been Nick Saban. Their defense coordinator had been with Nick Saban, so. My whole point is this. I feel like Rick put a staff together as if he was coming to UCF or he was coming to FIU. If you can't sit down and sell something to a player, it was it was pointed out last year with Henderson and them boys when they said the reason why they didn't come to Miami was because they didn't feel Rump had the experience to coach them to get to that next level. So, I mean – Look, you want to compare – listen, listen, come on, man. You want to compare Mike Rumpf to Nick Saban as a developer of defensive I'm backs? Not, no, 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 no. You're, you're you can't. You're, you're not listening to what I'm saying, Gary. I'm not comparing him to Nick Saban. 
I, did, I just think you're I just, disrespecting I just, the I just, opportunity I'm so, I'm, so, I'm, I'm comparing him. I'm comparing him to other people on staff, on other people's staff, not the Nick Saban, not the Nick Saban at all. When Rick, Mark Rick came here, I figured he was going to bring an experienced staff, a staff that could come here and sell to other recruits, not bring some some guys who can't sit here. Let's just face it. That education, like, oh, I'm a Christian, like an education, oh, I'm a Christian man and all this stuff, that's great. But some players, some players don't care about that. And their parents ain't making a decision for them, obviously. You're, cause you're, 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 wrong, you're wrong about that. Uh, some some parents do care about that. I say, but you, did you some, some what don't. I was trying to say, Gary? I agree with you. So, that some this, don't, this, but but, but, but even, some if, do. even if they, even if their parents do, these kids are making those decisions. Obviously, we've seen that this year. So whether their parents like Rick or not, they don't care about that because they're gonna go where they want to go. Because certain father and mother obviously wanted him at Miami, and he chose other wells. So all that oh that you you need a guy. Who's who? You people talking about having yeah. Pat, Pat Sertain Senior loves Mark Richt, for example. Yeah, you know, he loves thing, Mark Richt. Yeah, but when his son made his own decision for himself, right? So As that's it what should I'm be. saying. Yeah. Gary, you can't knock a kid going to Alabama okay, to play defense back. Uh, exactly. But what I'm saying is, Gary, people talking about we need dogs on the field. We need. Dogs as a head coach. Mark Rick is too laid back. All that. Oh, we can sell him this. Uki, and, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that they, that they, they blew the Pittsburgh game. If they, if they don't blow the Pittsburgh game, no, you understand no, it, they, it would been num- they would have been number one about, in the country and in the Gary, football playoffs Gary, in year two Gary, with a roster Gary, that is totally incomplete Gary, without a front line quarterback. They would have been in the Gary. freaking national championship picture. How but they can still you look like shit. And they look like Mark Rick. They look like shit against the team that has come on, man. Starters no, come on, off. you are totally unrealistic. They, they, no, Uki, come on. I'm totally man. unrealistic. Are you? Are you're you, not. You, you're not looking at reality. Did, did, and I know they blew it. They blew it. Okay, well, they Gary, blew it. Guess what? Guess Never should have lost. Guess what, Gary? Guess what, Gary? Guess what? But they would have been number one. <laughs> Gary, guess what? Next year is going to settle all of that, okay? Because well, this is the year that no they coach... Gotta, they got to deal with. Losing oh, those two oh, defensive tackles... Got issues. Yeah, losing those two tackles early is big. But Gary, but isn't that their job? But isn't that their job as as coaches who get paid pretty good salaries to take care to handle that, or at least have that in have that notion that hey, we this A, B, and C could happen. They didn't recruit that position well, so obviously now if you want to make the argument, why did Clemson's more elite defensive tackles? Decide to because stay they bought, in they bought, they, And why did they Miami unqualified? Because they buy into what the staff doing. Because they buy into what they staff Wait, Uki, wait a minute. If you want to make the argument that that and, and do an analysis, okay, why did the Clemson guys stay and why did the Miami guys go and what's the difference? And I don't know the answer, but that's a legitimate debate topic. But you're sitting here ripping a head coach who inherited a program that needed a lot of work, who in year two had them going into the final regular season game of the year on the cusp of being the number one team in America and in the four-team college football playoff without a quarterback who's a frontline quarterback, without an incomplete roster, without the best player on the team on the field, without the best receiver on the team on the field. And I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying they're not being fair. 
You're not okay. being fair. I forgot Alabama, I, listen, I forgot Alabama but, started, but, but started can, all year. We'll agree to disagree. Uh, a first round quarterback, too. I forgot we'll Alabama agree to disagree. started first round. Okay, 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 Gary. No, we'll agree to like disagree. So, b- before we move on, like are there any other points you want to make tonight? No, I'm just what I'm. You're just too critical, man. You're like too critical. I mean, you're making excuses. You're making excuses. I'm not making one excuse. They blew the Pittsburgh game, but I'm not disrespecting what they did before that. I mean, I don't. Did you think that? You know what? I'm gonna do everybody a favor. I'm gonna do everybody a favor on Kenny's part because I already know how it's gonna play out. I already know how it's gonna play out. I'm retiring from Kenny's sport tonight. Everybody, was, the, did you, everybody, do you think that that was all the national haters, championship roster? This year? I didn't think so. I didn't know that. Okay, I well, they, were, they were on the cusp we of making the playoffs. We were on the cusp of making the playoffs. We obviously out recruit University of Virginia, who almost beat us, North Carolina, Pitt, who did beat us, Toledo. Hell, yeah. we struggled at the beginning of the season. Against you're, not ready to be Cle- you're not ready to beat Clemson yet. You're not ready. You're not yeah, so, there yet. So, 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 so what, did I say anything about Clemson, Gary? You keep well, talking about Clemson. that was the elite team you played this year. Other than that, you didn't no, play any elite I'm team. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about medical teams of <laughs> Gary. I'm yeah, no, you only played one. You. you you played one alpha dog this year, Clemson. Okay, and I'm, I mean and you you're right. You're right about that. The you, schedule you, the you, schedule was very favorable. You played one alpha dog. You weren't good enough to be on the field with. No argument. Gary, Nobody will argue with that. you still struggled against Metacore teams this year, Gary. That you out-recruit year, even when Al Golden was here. <sighs> Uki. That's my point. I'm not complaining you're, you're, about You're disrespecting the competition. You're disrespecting the fact that like, you can turn on the TV Gary. every day of the week and watch college competition and college games in every single sport now because they televise just about everything and teams that seemingly don't recruit as well as other teams win games all the time in every sport you know it's competitive it, it's you know the, the other teams have good coaches too the other the other teams have good athletes too there's different variables that go into athletic competition there, you know, there's all kinds of factors that dictate the results of games, and 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 teams right. are always rising up that have no business being on the field and being competitive. There's only one or two undefeated teams a year. You know that, right? Yeah, I understand that. that. But Gary, Gary, I'm not complaining about losing to Clemson because obviously Clemson has been a better program than Miami over the years. But what I am complaining about is how we look against Medicor these these programs. Period. That's what I'm complaining about. I don't listen. I'm not saying we should be beating Alabama. I'm not saying we should be beating any of the top five teams. I have not said that one time. I have said that we have looked like shit, and it is true against teams that should not even be nowhere near on the field with us. And you can talk about being a noon game. You can talk about these players. All right, not let me being ask you a question. For these games. Let me ask you a question. But, but that's still I, I, have another, I have a question for that's you. Still, that's still Who won the, the national title this year? Who won the national title this year? Alabama won the national title. Okay. Do you think Auburn, which I think lost, what, three or four games? Do you think Auburn is, is as good as Alabama this year? Obviously not. They got beat by UCF. So, they I mean, beat them twenty. Uki, they beat them twenty six to fourteen. Auburn beat Alabama twenty six to fourteen during the regular season. Okay. Hey, but, it, but, it's but, like but, but Miami. You know, but Miami couldn't beat. But Miami couldn't beat Pitt. 
But but let's not like let's not like Alabama doesn't recruit on a level of Alabama. That's a different story. It wasn't like Al, Al, it wasn't like Alabama lost to Vanderbilt or Kentucky or even well, South Carolina. They lost. I mean, there's to, the Pittsburgh loss was terrible. They, they lost to a the team. Pit, they lost to a team. They lost terrible. to a team. That, it was terrible. That Auburn was terrible. Didn't I? Didn't Auburn beat Georgia? No, State? I said the Pittsburgh loss was terrible. If you want to say okay, that, you're right. What I'm saying is that you can no, you can't you can't compare losing to Auburn to, to, to Pittsburgh. You can't do that. No, agree. That's one thing you can't you can't do that. What I'm, so okay, what I'm who played you, Alabama? Who played Alabama? Who played Alabama for the national title? Georgia. Who, you know what the score? You know what the score was when they played Auburn? Forty to seventeen. Okay. Forty right. to seventeen. On a neutral field, right? Yeah. yeah. But you see the point. So, my, my that point Notre Dame team. That Notre Dame team that Miami spanked around. Could have been a different. I don't know if you were there or not. Did, on a neutral, on did, a, on a did you say Miami field. beat Notre Dame pretty convincingly? They beat the hell out of them. Okay. They beat the hell out of Georgia. Georgia Tech beat team. them by one point and played for the national title. So the the, the point is, and then I gotta that let you go and let other people season. get that on. Is that it's competition? Wasn't that, wasn't, college sports. Wasn't that their first it's game games of the between kids. It's games between Gary, kids. Wasn't that their first game? The of caller the season, before though? you, the caller before you told you just told you that he saw Tyson Campbell get torched. And I can't remember the, uh, what okay. school he said the that they were playing. Bl- I mean, I'll these are kids. kids. They're not going to win every battle. They're not going to win every game. Then... It's competition between kids. I listen to I got to let you go, man. I got to let other people get on. I got to let other people get on. But respect your opinions. You're just you're really negative, you know. And and I think you know you gotta you gotta get to the point where you know you're a little bit more fair in your evaluations of people and things. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Let's go out to the 240. You're on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? This is D Black. D Black. What did you think of that last call? Oh, my God, man. Yo, man, yo. I don't understand why you didn't get off the phone, Hank, with Uki a lot sooner. I'm like, he, he like, I, I, I want to know if he's ever played football before, and I ain't talking about Pop Warner. I'm talking about high school and college and understand the different variables that this game presents. And he keeps saying how we struggle against North Carolina and blah, blah, blah. Well, in 2000, what was it? In 2002, we had the greatest football team, college football team ever, and we barely beat Boston College. Correct. We barely beat Boston College. These are kids so, playing against kids. Exactly, <laughs> and that's why, and that's why you shouldn't bet on kids because you never know who, what kid is going to show up that day. You know, and, and and this is my thing. Campbell and Sertan, they didn't come. I don't understand for the life of me why South Florida kids want to go make another state in another city big instead of staying home and being a legend and being a legend, staying home and helping your home team get back to prominence and win a national title. But they're, they're there, 
I'm worried about my Hurricanes depth sign with us. I, I love the DBs that we got. And contrary to everybody else's belief, yo, I believe in Mike Rump. I like his development, how he develops the players, how he developed Malik Young, how he developed um, uh, Michael Jackson. Look what he, look what he did with uh, Corn Elder the year before. So, man, look, the proof is in the pudding. You know what I'm saying? And what people forget, Mark Rick, I'm, I'm sorry, not Mark Rick, Mike, Mark, Mike Rump was responsible for the development of Campbell and Sertan. Let's not forget that. See, people are forgetting that. He coached them, so he helped develop them as well. So if he helped develop them into the five-star players that they were, what makes you think he can't develop DJ Ivy, give up for five cents, and make them potential first-round draft picks? Like, come on, man. It's like, yo, it's like, yo, people ain't happy with the gold, you know, because we didn't get what they consider platinum. Like, yo, okay, I lost two platinum players, but I got 19 gold players. I'm good with that because that's the foundation. You need those You need those workers that's going to work. And you need those who have a chip on their shoulder, who, 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 who may feel slighted that they wasn't recruited as heavily or talked about as heavily as those two that we didn't get. And they feel they just as good, if not better. So they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder to prove a point. That's what I want. I want those type of players. That's the, that's the type of players we've always had, the ones that have to prove a point. Look at all the great players we had. Ed Reed, two-star. Reggie Wayne, same thing. Santana Moss, track scholarship. Ray Lewis got the last, what he got offered in May. Warren Sapp came in at the tight end, and they moved him over to D-tackle. So, I mean, those are the type of plays we had with that dog mentality, with that, yo, me against the world mentality. You don't think I can get this done. I'm going to show it to y'all and bring my team back to prominence. So I, I, have nothing, I have nothing negative to say about my coaching staff or about my players. I appreciate the class that we got. I feel moving on to, to 2019. We need to focus, like you said, Gary, getting this offensive line stacked up along with the D-line and linebackers. So, running backs, receivers, and DBs, man, look, we're going to always get that at Miami. But, you know, piggybacking off what you said, linemen, O-line, D-line, and linebackers is what we need to, to, to really, really focus on, on this next recruiting year and maybe two more DBs and just bring in two more DBs. But and if we could get another two, like two grad transfers, like they was talking about the Clemson cat and another lineman, that's cool too, you know. And ain't nobody talking about the the gym, the sleeper that we got, Jordan Miller. <laughs> hey, was Russell Maryland a, a, a five star recruit? Nope. <laughs> Cortez Kennedy? Nope. JUCO. So, yo, I'm I'm just gonna sit back. I'm gonna watch this quarterback competition. And I'm looking forward to the season, Gary, because I feel there's no reason why we can't win the Coastal again and be playing Clemson again in the ACC championship game. And maybe 
it'll be a little different. Maybe we'll win, or maybe we may lose, but keep it closer. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to sit back. I'm not going to be negative. Uki was just, yo, Uki, I'll pre- look, I'll, I'll respect your opinions, bro. But, yo, yo, you're just too negative. You're too negative. He's like, over the top negative. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, you can't just like totally ignore all the good things that went on this year. And you know, the, I mean, exactly. they literally were. If they beat Pittsburgh, they probably would have been ranked number one. I mean, they were, you know, <laughs> certainly at least number two. They would have been in the playoffs. I mean, they they probably would have gotten spanked by whoever they played in the playoff. But you know, you can't just ignore the good things that went on. You know. So right. anyway, that- all right, D Black, you got any, you got anything else for us? Yeah, I got one more thing, and then I'm then I'm out until your next show. I remember early in the season, Greg you, Greg was saying, "See, this is what you need. You need a running quarterback. You know, if we had Brad Kyle, we wouldn't be this. Uh, Brad Kyle would never do that." But then later on in the season, you you saw you need a quarterback that can stand in the pocket and deliver them darts and no deliver doubt. them darts to to them receivers. So if we had Brad Kyle. I can guarantee you, yo, a lot of games would have been different because we would have a quarterback that could throw them darts. But that's all I got to say, Gary. Yo, I appreciate you. You know, great coverage with this recruiting cycle. Looking forward to the updates. Oh, one more question. When is junior day? Uh, you know, I don't know. They, they had, they had kind of like a junior day a few weeks ago when they had a bunch of kids come to the, um, to the, the basketball, basketball game. game. Yeah, I, I'm right. not sure when their next when their next like a uh, organized event like that is is scheduled. Not sure yet. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be looking forward to the spring update. But we got rivals camp the, this weekend. I mean, uh, D Black. We got rivals camp Miami this weekend. It's going to be huge. So make sure you're on the website. We'll have tons of coverage. Oh, definitely. I'm gonna definitely check it out. Yeah, big time lineup out there. So it'll be good. All right. Thanks for being part of the show. All right. Keep me on hold. All right, guys, I'm going to take a moment here real quick to tell you about a new sponsor of Kane Sport Live. I posted about him on the message board, and that's Wink. It's spelled W-I-N-C, and Wink makes it easy to discover great wine. And um, because Wink's wine experts select wines matched to your taste, personalized for you, they ship it right to your door, and it all starts at just $13 a bottle. Each month, they have new delicious wines like the insanely popular Summer Water Rosé. There's no membership fees. You can skip any month you want. You can cancel any time. Shipping's covered. So Wink gives you a chance to discover great wine today. So go to trywink.com slash canesport. That's trywink.com slash canesport. You'll get $20 off your first shipment of wine from Wink. And um, great, great opportunity to try a great new service and company that will introduce you to all different wines out there. So try Wink, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash Canesport. And as a Canesport Live listener, they'll give you $20 off your first shipment. All right, we're going into the home stretch here. We've got about 25 minutes of show. So um, we'll try to get um, – I want to try to get to as many calls as possible uh, so try to keep your points tight and concise. Let's start out uh, now in the 770, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Hey, Garrett. How are you doing? Doing good. Who's this? This is uh, TC from the ATL. <laughs> What's um, up, TC? Nothing much, nothing much. Uh, that, that guy, Mookie, 
Um, boy, you just Ookie. a little bit Ookie. too tight. Yeah. Ookie. Yeah. He, he needs he needs he needs to loosen up just a little bit. I just mean, a just little. Taking consideration. Yeah, just a little. Taking consideration from what the mommy program was um, prior to Al Golden up until what we have now. I mean, it's a big difference, Gary. I wonder if Mookie also realized, like, how many weeks did we play consecutively, Gary, without having a, a break yeah, or a bye? That's a good. Yeah, they just they wore down. They they just wore down. Just like B. Black said, I wonder if this guy ever played football before, because your body just takes a toll playing consecutive week, weeks after weeks after weeks, uh, home away, away home, home. You and you kid, you you kid. You're not growing for that just yet. You're still learning. You still yeah, they learning. Work them. They work them hard. The staff works those kids hard. And they, you know they, uh, they they ran out of gas to, uh, at Pittsburgh. There's no. They just had nothing yeah. in the tank. And why do you think that happened? Because they played week after week after week after week. While some of the teams had a bye week later on in, in the season. That takes a toll on your body. I don't care if you're 18. I don't care if you're 26. You do that every week, week after week after week. You see that happen in the NFL, Gary. Yeah. That happens in the NFL, even with professional athletes. So what Mookie is talking about, come on, Mook. Lighten up, baby boy. Lighten up. It's (laughs) Ookie. I keep screwing up his name. You keep I'm, I'm calling him Suki. He's Suki. I'm gonna call him Suki, Pookie, and everything else until he lightens up. Because it, it's just unfair to to treat these young men like that. Gary, I'm gonna make it short and quick. It hurt, you know, that we weren't able to get, you know, either one of the two big guys, Campbell or Certain. But let's keep it real. Some of those guys, you're just not gonna be able to keep there in Florida. They're going to want to branch out and see something new. I mean, I can imagine Nick Saban's resume when he, he had to pitch Sertain and Campbell. He, he'll just bring his his crew. They'll sit around the table. They'll say, okay, guys, um, Sertain, Campbell, here's what came to Alabama in the past 10 years, DBs that went in the first two rounds. Look at my resume. Here's what Miami has. Look at their resume. Guys, let's go get a, a, a drink of coffee and let's come back and see what the guy thinks. Man, Alabama got like draft pick after draft pick in the first round. Drake, Kilpatrick, uh, who else? This year, probably Minka, Fitzpatrick. They got, what's the other kid names that went to the Jets? D. Milner. They got a whole list of DBs. That's an easy choice right now. Yeah, that's like that's a that's a no brainer. I mean, it, it it it's it's true. I mean, that's why I've been saying like you have to respect the competition sometimes. I mean, it's not like it's not like they have a bad pitch. <laughs> it's a strong pitch. It's easy. It's an easy dude. This is what Miami has in in the past what five years as far as DBs going in the first round. Ari Burns. Okay, we got this amount of players from our team, our school that went in the first round. So it's it's up to you to make your choice. Do you want to come to a school that's known for producing DBs like us, or do you want to go to the school that produces one? Right now, they're producing one every 10 years, which make make your choice. It's just that simple. So this guy, a young kid, 18 years old, he's scratching his head. Dang, man, these kids are going 
they got 15, 20 guys that won the first two rounds. I got to go here, man. You can pick me. Yeah, like like I said earlier, though, I just wish that they would just say what that they're that they're not coming and and let the coaches go recruit somebody else because you know they're holding spots. They're you know I mean let's be honest. They, you know if if you're going to recruit kids, you got to have a spot for them. And you know they're, my, my they could have been recruiting other guys. Right. They need to know, they need to know know when to let go because it's almost like. A, uh, a, a man dating a woman. You know, if, if the first few times, if you can't hold her hands or whatever, she don't want to get close to you, she's telling you, I don't want to be around you. I don't like you. She don't want to give you a kiss, probably like on that third or fourth visit. And she's letting you know, man, I ain't serious about you. When the courting is not going the way that you like for it to go, turn it off. Go somewhere else. There's enough players out there. There's enough three stars. There's enough uh, four stars that you can possibly bring into your program and develop them. Virginia Tech is a perfect example of that. They do that every yeah, the, year. The only problem, though, is without the elite guys, what ends up happening is you, you get you get to the big game and you get spanked the way Clemson spanked them. You know, and that's the only problem. At some point, you got to get you got to get you got to have a, a certain number of elite players on your team, and so you can't blame the coaches for trying, but I blame the kids for not being honest with the coaches. I mean, if, if you know, if, if you tell Rumpf and Banda and Diaz and those guys, coach, it does. I, I love you, this, but it, it doesn't matter what you say or what you do I, I don't I just want to go away I want I'm going to go to Alabama that I think they would respect that and then they can go move on and recruit somebody else but instead these kids are jerking them around and stringing them along and stringing them along and stringing them along and they end up wasting months and thousands of hours on these guys and they get worn out too I mean they're they're human beings you know these co- these coaches work 18 hour days all year round I mean so I don't know something's got to give at some point Right, something has to give at some point. But this, some of the kids are just straight up honest too, Gary. They're like, "Hey, it's a free vacation for me. I want to take that trip." You know what I'm saying? They're gonna, they're like, "Why not? If they're gonna pay for me to come and visit their school, and I get to go and take this trip, yeah. that is paid for. Why not?" But- but they're not getting any of these kids. They like it, it had. We saw it last year with Jerry Judy. We saw it this year with Joe Sertain and Campbell. It's not like they're they're winning any of these. They're not, no, you know. That's what I'm saying. They may have to re-strategize. You know, when the courtship is not going the way that Miami likes for it to go, turn it off. Well, I is just it, think that the kids, the, the, the kids that line up with Bama just want to go, want to go there, and you're not gonna, you're not gonna turn them, you know. Yeah, You're probably right. not going to turn them. I mean, I, got, I mean, maybe it's not fair. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, some kids who were supposedly going to Bama went elsewhere, but. I think the majority of them, once they're predisposed and what they're doing, that's what they end up doing. All right, you got anything else for us tonight? Yeah, one last thing before I let you go. That uh, Chatfield, is it Andrew Chatfield, the D-tackle? What's the deal yeah. with him? Why did he – what, what happened with him? He just wanted to – you know, number one, he wanted to go to Florida. Number two, I don't think he's a great loss personally. You know, I don't, I don't think uh, that one's a big deal. But wasn't he like Broward County Defensive Player of the Year? I mean, I don't know if he, you know, I don't know about that. I, I mean, he might have gotten some accolades and all county and stuff like that. But I personally thought he was an average prospect. I'm just giving you my personal opinion. That one didn't. I don't think that one. I don't think they'll they'll miss that one. Okay. All right. And then my last comment, Gary. So we got what? There was four key players at Heritage. We got what? One of the four. 
Yeah. If you take that and put that into batting averages, that's like what a three thirty three average. I'll take that. Uh, two two fifty. They would have liked to do better. They would have liked to get one more. I mean, I don't think it was realistic, you know, to get more than two of them. But you know, they would have they would have liked to get one of the DBs. Let's be honest. But right. those kids were like I said, were never coming. Yeah, so. sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Oh well. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you for being part of the show. We'll talk right, to you Gary, next time. Take it easy. Yep. Thanks you for got having it. me on. You got it. Let's go to the five six one. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yo, what up, Gary? What's going Who's on, good? man? Who's this? Scooter Dupont. Hey, what's up, Scooter? Scooter what you got? Shoot. Um. All right. A couple things. Uh, the Nigel Bethel character, uh, the the defensive back. Man, yep. that kid. His his coach keeps on telling everybody he's an amazing receiver, and he played receiver. I, I looked at some of his highlights. He's shifty. He's fast. I would I want that kid to get some touches as a receiver. I think sure. he's going to get touches as a be... kick returner. That, uh, that's my opinion. Yeah, they don't, you know, they have so many receivers. They don't that that are maybe a little bit more polished as receivers. I don't think they need him at receiver, uh, but I think he can help them enormously as a kick you returner. Never, you can never have too many receivers, Gary. Well, but yeah, but you, how, you only got one football. You you got DJ Dallas. You got to get involved. You got you got two great tight ends that are going to need to get involved. You got all these receivers. I mean, they're stockpiling talent on the offensive side of the football that's pretty damn good now. And, you know, they need they need him at DB more than they need him at receiver right now. They've got other guys. Wow. But I do think right, you're going so to about, see him get a, get a long look as a kick returner. And that's right. where they'll get about the ball in the um, Mike Rumpf, uh, everybody keeps on saying, like, how, how well he did with the defensive backs and all this kind of stuff. We got pieced up a lot this season, like – by uh, quarterbacks like Toledo and uh, who's this guy from Wisconsin, Hornybrook. Hornybrook was like something like 95. Like every time that guy threw a pass, it was a completion. Like they, they, anytime anybody ever, like we were great against the run. Don't get me wrong. Okay. We stopped the run all season long, but anytime anybody passed on us, it was pretty much a completion, you know? No, be realistic. You're, you're playing freshman back there. You're, you're bringing in a guy from the Citadel. And counting on him to be your best guy, I mean that's that was a reach, you know. I mean, the roster's not there, yeah. just not there yet. I think I mean, like, okay. I mean, defense, if you go back to get a guy what I said before the season, I I I said the defensive back was a huge question mark. What value? Does I, it didn't surprise me have? at all that they struggled at times. But I, I, we need to get. I think you got to. I think you got to acknowledge that those like you know band. Uh, Trajan Bandy played pretty good as the year went on. I think even D. Delaney got a little bit better later in the year. Think back on any team we played that passed on us. Any team that wanted to pass on us, it was a free yeah. day. You just it was. you can make any pass yeah, you, you want on us. The linebackers were not very good in coverage. That was a fact. Linebacker. What about the Wisconsin? Did you remember the Wisconsin game? That quarterback, yeah. it was like ninety. At one point, he was he was like ninety five percent completion passing on us. Yeah, it wasn't even it wasn't even like we we were covering people. Like they were just, whenever they wanted to complete a pass, they completed the pass on us. But I I don't think who can okay, we need to get a defensive. We need to get some people on staff with silver tongues, people that can talk to people. You know, you get to get a guy in there that can talk to recruits. Basically, like you know, I used to sell cars. Um, I sold Cadillacs for like five years. 
you got to know how to sell. You got to know how to talk to people. I don't know, you know, you can get a lot well, of guys who ba- can teach. Bando's that kind of guy. You know, Bando's that kind of guy. I think Manny Diaz is pretty good with the kids. We got to stockpile a couple more. Who, who's this? Who, did that guy have any social he's skills? A young, he's, he's a young guy. I mean, you don't. we don't really know that much about him yet, you know? I, I think we got to get – I mean, I don't know why they don't get some guy who's like a, like a dynamic type of guy. That That's what I would do. The other point I wanted to make was, you know, a lot of these callers, I don't know who this guy was talking about, uh, hey, we don't need a lot of uh, big-time athletes, five-star. We, 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 Russell Maryland, he wasn't that. Cortez Kennedy, he wasn't a five-star or whatever. I mean, like, we're talking about guys, like, before the Internet, man. Like, like there was, like, like okay, uh, Ed Reed was a two-star, but it, it was, you know, recruiting, you could probably testify to this, back in 2007, it wasn't the same as now, man. Now we got video on everybody. You could see everybody. It, once the internet came, the, the you, a Wrestle Maryland Cortez Kennedy is not going to be a two star anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, true. All right. Um, All right, you got anything else for us? No, overall pretty good. Uh, Nigel Bethel, wide receiver. That's all I got to say. I will see. I mean, I agree. With you. He's very fast, and he can do things. But everybody can't play wide receiver. They got a lot. They got a. They got a lot of wide receivers on this team. But uh, I do think, like I said, that they'll try to use Nigel as a returner, and we'll see how he does. Let's go to the three hundred two. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? This is Butter P. What's up, Butter P? Shoot, man, we're running out of time. What you got? Oh, I just wanted really to call and uh, congratulate uh, the staff on the recruiting class. You know. I'm very happy with the guys we got. You can't get them all. I would have loved to have a certain or Campbell, uh, maybe even Chapman or Coburn, but it is what it is, you know. The guys we got are here. We're going to roll with them, you know. You would love to, you know, to have the five-star recruits every, uh, at every position, at least one at every position, like you said. We definitely need them at DP, DT, but running back, I think we're straight. I think we're straight. We got a, we got a diamond with Ezert because we got a bunch of receivers, like you said, Brevin Jordan, Will Mallory, you know. We got Sclafe on our offensive line. So uh, we got Frierson, Gervin Hall, Blade. So I think our class is pretty good, you know. And I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, how people, you know, even you said Georgia's rising, man. You know, Georgia's been there, you know. Let's, let's not act like Kirby Smart got left uh, uh, bare cupboard almost. You know, he had a five-star QB when he came here who got hurt. He had five-star RBs and five-star linemen. They were already stacked. He just got them to play a little better. They just developed a little more. He didn't come there with a bare cupboard like what we had, like you said. Our roster was incomplete, and we looked incomplete when we played against Clemson. You understand? And it only looked incomplete a little bit, you know, because of the erratic QB play at times. Because, you know, a couple plays, Jeff Thomas, a couple receivers be wide open. The QB play was erratic. So, you know. Uh, yeah, but even if it was, I mean, Clemson was had it just has a much better roster right now. They Hopefully that you got to hope that changes over the next few years. But they, you know, they just did. They, it was it wasn't even close. Not not at all, not at all. But we can, you know, we will be able to match teams in skill position. But we got to get better on the lines, both sides at of the, the line of scrimmage. No no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, running back, skill position, wide receivers, and all DBs, they grow on trees down there. So that's not a big deal. So, you know, since we run another time, I ain't going to hold you too much. I just wanted to congratulate our class and the staff. Looking forward to the season. Oh, one more thing, though. I- I'll say this. 
prayerfully, and Cozy Perry wins it. Nothing against Malik Rozier. But I think the three-game skid and, you know, players can see things as well. You know what I mean? They can see, like, man, maybe he might not be the guy. Now, they love him because he's a baller. He was in there. He let him. But you, we, we need somebody that can make that throw, can make that run, can, can get the team over the top. Hopefully, he, hopefully he develops a little bit more. But and Cozy got to be the guy. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody was saying that during the year, but it's up to Nicosi in spring practice to make everybody feel that way. And Mark Rick won't be that. afraid to pull the trigger. If that's the, if it, if that's the case, he won't be afraid to pull the trigger, but I don't think he'll force the issue. All right, man. Hey, thank no. you for uh, calling in and being part of the show. We'll talk to you next time. Let's go to the uh, 973. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah. You there? There you go. What's going on, Gary? Not much. What you got? You got to talk quick tonight. All right. I knew I was going to be towards the end. Anyway, listen. Uki, I wasn't even going to talk about Uki, but he bothered me. I thought I was rough, Gary. Gary, you thought I, you think I'm rough? Uki. Yeah, he makes, he makes you look like a kitty cat, man. <laughs> I know. He's just world. <laughs> he's just he's real negative. Talking about, he's talking about guys who golden board in that we still need to cut the fat off of. That's what he's talking about. We're not looking good because we don't have a complete roster. We have guys that were still played that we probably shouldn't be playing. We had guys that was hurt, and we went through a whole season with no rest, and we also got out of shape. He's, you don't want to listen to none of that stuff. And you know what I think, too? I think he's busy listening to his friends, giving him the business, that roots for the Florida states in the Florida, and he finds himself defending himself. So he comes on your your site, and then he comes on on on, on the phone, and he he lets everybody else have it where he's getting from his friends. But anyway, that's it. Patrick Sertan Campbell. To be honest with everybody, we really really had a shot only with Campbell. I remember you saying that you thought Campbell was better than um Job, and. This thing got a life of its own. It started. No, growing. I said I thought Campbell was growing. better than Sertain. Now, whatever you said, like you used to say, the real talk was about Campbell. We never had a chance at Sertain ever. From the beginning, no one, everybody knew he was going to go somewhere else, and that was it. This situation allowed the kids to play play with us because it started growing. It started growing. Well, that's what I was talking about. I, I never felt they had a chance for any of those kids, Ross. Yeah, I really you know didn't. what I was thinking about. You know what I was thinking about on signing day. You know what I was thinking about signing day. Okay, we didn't get him, but I'm looking to see. I'm worried about the kid that went to Florida State. The reason why I worried about him because he could have bought us some depth. He could have bought us some situation where we could plug him in, work on him, and get him better. I'm worried about the defensive line, the offensive line, and stuff like that. I love the fact that we picked up the kid from Stockbridge. I love that. He's a Miami type, tough wide receiver type. These are the guys that I'm worried about. When when that stuff was going on on TV, I watched it. Yeah, I would have liked to have gotten one of them, maybe Campbell. But guess what? I was more concerned. I was more concerned with the line of scrimmage. Because that's what's going to allow us to go in the games. We have talent all over this offense now. We got to hit guys in the mouth from the beginning. And one, one more thing, Gary. Remember, I started the season with you saying it's going to be real critical for us to keep one or two of those demons in line. But remember that? I was the first guy to put that up. I was the first guy to bring that up. I was like, Gary, we cannot lose both. And we lost both. But it's fine. 
Thanks for coming on tonight, man. We needed right, this. If you'd have came on, if you'd have came on yesterday, I'd have been blazing mad. I'd have been upset. But I kind of took the day and I thought about it. Man, I'm more concerned about the line of scrimmage. Yep. Yeah, Rump going to have to. Gutter, said, that's that's why I said Gutter, in 2019, I, I want to see them raise the bar on the offensive line. They they got to get that yeah. position it, Rump, where it Rump belongs. Rump might have to change his ways a little bit because he made a comment today in one of the um, articles that I read that he was surprised and he was this and he's still talking about the old days how he didn't have to recruit a certain way and all that. He still got to come out of that flunk. He still got to get a little better, a little more seasoning. Uh, he approached these kids, but he was never getting these kids. And the, the caller made a great point. He was the guy who developed these kids when they was younger too. That's a great point. That was a great call that you got. The women made that point on your call tonight. That was a great point. Listen, man. We all um, right, Ross. We can't wait. Can't wait till the spring, man. That's all I gotta say. You got it. Man, come we'll on, Ooh, come on, Ooh. calm down. Ooh. Keep me on. Ooh. I know we're about to get over. Come on. Ooh. You you making me look bad, boy. You let me look like I'm, I'm well, I'm, I'm terrible, but he, woo, he's tough. <laughs> All right, Ross. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for calling in. All right. All right. Let's go to nine five four. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hi, Gary. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Shoot, who's this? Hi, this is JJ thirteen. How's it going? What's up, JJ? What you got for us, man? Well. <sighs> couple of things. Uh, one, I felt like Miami did a pretty good job. I'd give them about a B-plus to A-minus on the overall class. They were excellent with the early signing period, um, so can't fault, fault them for that coming out the gate. Um, question I had is, so they, in listening to some of the coaches' comments, they keep commenting about the class of 2019 and is stocked with defensive uh, line talent. I was studying, you know, some of the rivals' 2019 uh, ratings, and I only see, like, in the state of Florida, for example, two guys that are, like, listed for the top 20 for defensive line, like there's Jaquay, Soros, and there's one other guy from, like, uh, Waukee, somewhere up where by Orlando. But I don't see at all no kind of depth, you know, at least in the state of Florida. So do you, you know, do you have any ideas as far as maybe what they're thinking when they're saying Well, I mean, 20 20- here, here, here I'll, I'll, I'll give you just a few names just to keep an eye on. You know, just in South Florida alone, you got the Chris Bogle kid who has a chance to be a really good defensive end. You got the Denzel Daxon defensive tackle oh, yeah. kid. Uh, you've got that kid um, Derek Hunter, uh, who, who, okay. who's a, Fort who looks like he's going to be a pretty good player. So you, you know, that's just in in South Florida alone. Then you know, you've got some really good linebackers, Anthony Solomon. Uh, Jamar Brown, and I think has a chance to be pretty good. So, like, th- just here in the Tri-County area, I think you've got three, four guys that are potentially commits that are, you know, pretty good players. And then, of course, it expands from there. And the list is still evolving. I mean, we're very early in the cycle here. So, um, you know, let's see how it goes. I, I, I do think that, that they'll get they'll, – they'll have a good base – in South Florida to build off of. And then, you know, we'll do the usual. We'll go up the state. Miami did very well in the state of Florida this year. So now they got to, they got to back it up. There's a lot of kids over at IMG in the Tampa area that they got to recruit really hard and uh, we'll see how it goes. Okay. Uh, That's, that's fair enough. Like I hope they really do good. One other thing is, do you, do you agree with the assessment about um, the recruiter uh, or defensive line coach, coach cool, could he use an extra voice out there recruiting? Because it does seem like 
him closing the deal has been a little bit suspect the last couple of years. Do you agree with that, or you feel like agree. he can do an adequate job? I, I, I agree. It's something okay. that they need to look at. I mean, I think you're right. It, okay. it did not go as well as they would have 